0: Snack production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. In this podcast, we delve into a political situation that is happening somewhere in the world. And quite frankly, this is the man to do it, Dr. Keith Souter. He is renowned for his knowledge on international politics and diplomacy and Well, really, you name a situation in the world and he'll know it back to front. And my name's Kate Mack. We've worked together for many years, Dr. Keith, TV, radio, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I ask the questions that you're probably thinking, because I know a little bit about this subject matters, but not a lot. So I sometimes need him to explain it to me a little bit more. And Dr. Keith, today is a subject that's close to your heart energy, the the whole world is looking at how to not rely on coal and think, be forward-thinking. It's also, though, a very, it's a source of contention, this whole yeah. topic around the world.
1: Absolutely. And and what I found fascinating is that this is a debate over something that most people have not heard of, which is called the Nord Stream 2. So this is a gas pipeline that runs out of Russia and goes into Germany, and then some of that will then flow down into other parts of Western and Central Europe. So this has been a very controversial pipeline. Um, it began, a controversy began under President Obama because the Americans, irrespective of who's in the White House, the Americans have been saying to Germany, look, you're making yourself very vulnerable to pressure from Russia. The Germans have said, we're going to get out of coal. They've got some coal still being dug in the coal mines in East Germany, but they're trying to get out of the coal industry. Uh, It's interesting, I was part of a project 20-odd years ago and we looked at Australian coal. We found that we could export better quality coal to Germany at a lower price than the Germans were digging up their own coal. They were subsidising every tonne of coal being dug up in Germany 20-odd years ago. Their argument was that we subsidise the coal because we need to keep those coal miners employed because when we look back in our history in the 1930s, we saw the damage that was done by having unemployed coal miners. Therefore, we pay for every tonne of coal to get dug up. So the, the Germans, are well aware of the climate change controversy, have been trying to wean themselves off coal. And so most of their coal industry has now been closed down. As I say, they're just left with a, a few dirty mines in uh, low-quality coal in East Germany. So they're looking... It's solar energy, wind power, et cetera, and also importing natural gas into Russia from Russia into Germany, which I thought would be you know, uncontroversial. I found it fascinating in the last few weeks how suddenly this one pipeline, which is now 90% complete, right? It's a very expensive pipeline, costs about $11 billion to construct. It's 90% complete and perhaps will never be completed, may never be finished. So what I found fascinating is the way that <laughs> you could have a debate over a pipeline which seems to plug into so many issues. Now, the, the issue that has brought this onto the front pages of some of our newspapers has been the um, poisoning of Alexei Navalny, who is um, a Russian opposition critic of President Putin. So he was returning from Siberia to Moscow and he is photographed as drinking a cup of tea at the airport in Tomsk in Siberia, and we think it was actually poisoned with Novichok, which is banned under international law. So you should not have anybody in the world with Novichok in their bodies. But, of course, a number of people, all of whom have got links back one way or another to Russia. No. (laughs) Including, of course, in Salisbury, in England, they have Novichok. You should not have any Novichok on this planet. Clearly, the Russians are using it. So they used it on Alexei Navalny, and he uh, was taken to Moscow. They kept him in a Moscow hospital, hoping that the longer they retained him there as a patient, then the stuff would then be excreted from his body. Then eventually, a German charity plane, uh, who would looked at the previous victims of Novichok, So the Germans flew in this charity plane and flew him then into Germany. And as we speak, he is now on the way to recovery. He's received good treatment in Germany. And so people are saying, how do we retaliate against Russia? Now, the problem is um, there are already sanctions on Russia because of the invasion of Crimea back in 2015. We're actually running out of weapons because we've already used so many weapons in our opposition to what the Russians are up
0: to. And there. they seem to not care.
1: And they seem to not care.
0: <laughs> they just keep doing it anyway. Why didn't they polish this guy off a few years ago when they tried last time, Keith? Well, they they
1: blinded him last time, and this time around he seems to have survived the Novichok. It's obviously a difficult nerve agent to administer. You remember, going back to what we saw in England, mm. the, the two Russians who were targeted survived, but a poor woman who came across the bottle thinking it was perfume put it on herself, and she died. So it's obviously a very difficult nerve agent to use. Remember, you shouldn't be using it anyway, right? Mm. You should not have anybody in the world with never talk in their bodies or in any research labs. And how do you therefore punish Putin? And so people are saying, well, one, the next thing we've got to do is to cancel this Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Remember, this has been going on ahead now for for several years. The work is getting underway Concerns began under President Obama, so this is not an issue for President Trump. But nonetheless, it's a thing that just simply continues to move along. And people have now said, ah, you're building a pipeline from Russia to Germany. We need to stop that pipeline. It's 90% complete. And so as we speak, there is a decision now to stop it. And pressure has been put on Angela Merkel, the German leader, for to cancel the rest of the project. So for me, it's fascinating that this is a pipeline which is trying to help Germany make this bridge from relying on coal to this new era of alternative energy, etc., which you'd think would be a good idea, but is now suddenly caught up in all of the politics. And the most recent flashpoint has been Alexei Navalny's poisoning. Um, I might say that the uh, Congress has taken a much stronger line on this matter than Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't seem to have commented at all about Navalny. When you look at the forthcoming November 3rd presidential election, one gets the impression the Chinese are supporting Joe Biden and the Russians are supporting President Trump. And in turn, President Trump is not criticising Putin over the treatment of Navalny. The problem for Trump is that there are a lot of people in Congress who are taking a very strong line against Putin on this matter. Uh, there is also now legislation in the United States, which we may introduce in Australia at the end of the year, the Magnitsky Act, mm. which is designed to take over within, in, in this case, the United States, assets of human rights violators. So if Putin has got any assets in the United States or any of the people around him, they could then be confiscated.
0: And that whole story, the Magnitsky story is Fascinating,
1: Absolutely.
0: But just in a nutshell, just break down essentially what it's about. So We could do a whole episode on that. We could
1: indeed. And I think when when Australia goes ahead with the legislation, the International Commission of Jurists, of which I'm the New South Wales Chair, we are supporting the Australian government on this issue because obviously we could use it against Chinese over Xinjiang, right? That's another example of human rights violations. So basically the Magnitsky Act is named in honour of an American who – came under pressure and was in, and badly treated by the, the Russians. Uh, he was an investment, an American investment in Russia and uh, was very badly treated by the Russians. Uh, the, it's worth bearing in mind there are a lot of people who've fallen out with Putin who perish. Some go in Moscow, others go on their own home soil, such as the United Kingdom. And so this legislation was pushed through the United States Congress as a way of punishing, in this instance, Russia, but in fact, it might have wider geographical areas of application.
0: This is Global Truth with Dr Keith Suter, and we're talking today about the politics of energy because, well, everyone's trying to move away from the traditional forms of energy, electricity, you know, generated by coal, and and move into new times, uh, you know, solar and wind turbine, wind power. Wind yes. power and it's such a political issue as yeah. well, Keith. And, yeah. it's, and as you're just saying, like this is playing out around the world.
1: It is. And what I find fascinating is that, you know, it's just an ordinary pipeline and yet it's now linked in to so many other issues. So it's interesting to know that President Trump is withdrawing troops from Germany. So they've got 30,000 troops there and they're taking out 12,000. They've been there since World War II, and they're actually there under a treaty from World War II. The British have got troops there. The French have as well, and the Russians did, of course, in East Germany, and the Russians took their troops out as part of a quid pro quo. When the war came down, President Gorbachev uh, withdrew his occupying forces on the understanding that NATO wouldn't move east. George Bush Sr., who negotiated that with Gorbachev, honor that agreement. President Clinton, however, has expanded NATO east. So NATO is getting closer and closer to that Russian border. So that's a separate story we need to look at at some point, which is the paranoia that the Russians feel that they're being encircled. So part of the contingent from World War II was that the Americans had an occupying force. Remember the, the slogan about NATO? The purpose of NATO was to keep the Americans in. Uh, the, uh, the Russians out and the Germans down. So in other words, you kept the Americans in Western Europe, you kept the Russians out of Western Europe, and you kept control of the Germans because you just can't trust the Germans. And so you had occupying forces from those the victorious countries, so Russia in the east, and then in West Germany, as it then was, you had the, the British, the French, and the Americans. So the Americans are now withdrawing. Now, the, President Trump is saying, the Germans are getting American protection on the cheap. The Germans are not spending enough on defence. Ironically, by pulling the troops out, he's actually weakening NATO. And But his excuse is, I've got to find a way of honouring the Congress' decision to punish the Russians over Navalny. We're doing that partly by opposing the construction of this pipeline, Nord Stream 2, but I'm going to do it as well by withdrawing American troops. If you're President Putin at the moment, you'll be very happy because it just shows how divided the Western nations are in what they should do. So the Germans are divided, right? The Germans have got sanctions against the Russians because of the invasion of Crimea, and at the same time, they're a good customer. And energy is a major part of the Russian export industry. There's not too much else that Russia can sell to the rest of the world. Energy is important. So it's a mixed signal from the Germans. Are they opposed to the the Russians or are they buying from the Russians? Are the Americans going to be within Europe or are they going to pull out? So in in a sense, all of this is sending very unclear signals to Putin. And Putin can say, well, clearly Europe is divided, which is good, because if you feel under threat, which is what Putin does, Russia has this deep-seated fear of invasion. With good reason. You look back in Russian history, they have been invaded. (laughs) Napoleon and Hitler. My grandfather was part of the British invasion force, which everybody has forgotten about, when Churchill sent in British troops to help to put down the Russian Revolution. We failed at that one. So if you are paranoid and you're Russian, you've got every right to be paranoid. Sometimes paranoid people do have enemies. And so Putin is looking out on his Western front and is seeing the disarray Within, West, within the West, he would like the Nord Stream 2 project to go ahead. He wants to be able to sell the natural gas to Germany, but he is well aware of the risks that are occurring to him over this. Now, I might also say that the West Europeans are angry over the way in which the Americans are using their legislation to interfere in Europe's affairs because blocking the production of the pipeline remember it's 90% complete the pipeline requires american companies to work and the americans have said don't you work on that project cancel all of your contracts so the the west europeans are saying how can we rely on the americans when they tell their own producers not to work with uh, people in in eastern europe remember we've already had a confrontation between western europe and the united states over the American withdrawal from the Iran nuclear deal. This was negotiated by President Obama. It was between the big five of the UN Security Council, United States, Russia, China, Britain and France, plus Germany. And then on the other side, it was Iran. And the agreement was that that Iran would not develop nuclear weapons and the Western countries would ease their sanctions on Iran. It was one of President Obama's major foreign policy achievements. Trump has come in and unilaterally tried to cancel the deal. But, of course, the deal does still exist between Iran and the other remaining countries. So Trump now has sanctions against Iran, whereas China continues to trade with Iran. So you've got a lot of West Europeans who are saying, well, we're being blocked from trying to trade with Iran, but we can see the Chinese and Russians doing very well where they trade with Iran. So... You've got another source of anger between the West European countries and the United States. You could also say that the American sanctions are disrupting the energy market, which is already going up and down because it's in chaos, because of the downturn in the global economy caused by the coronavirus crisis. And we're seeing this work through at the moment through this chaos over Nord Stream 2, whether or not it's going to come on stream. So there are a lot of people in Western Europe who are saying, well, we we don't know how to proceed on all of this. Is this a Russian Trojan horse? Is this a way of Russia getting into Germany? Will the Russians at some point suddenly, if the the gas goes through, will the Russians simply cancel the gas pipeline, uh, block it, particularly during a winter, if you have a cold winter? Will they then try to freeze the Germans? They do it with other of their pipelines to put pressure on their neighbours. So is that another dimension that we need to think through? Meanwhile, the United States wants to sell its own liquefied natural gas to Germany and looks upon the Nord Stream 2 as assisting one of its business competitors, Russia, whereas the Americans would want to supply its own. For me, it's fascinating how a simple pipeline, 90% complete, under construction for the last nine years, is now suddenly caught up in all this international politics, and we see how politics becomes very complicated. In the old days, we used to make distinctions between politics and trade. In other words, the diplomats carried out what's called the high diplomacy, and the consular officials dealt with trade. That was the low end. And the snobs uh, in the high diplomacy used to look down on those tradespeople, busy selling. A good example of that is Australia and China. So from 1949, with the Chinese Revolution, and through until uh, 1972, 73, Australia recognised Taiwan as the governing power of China. And so the the diplomats would say, we only deal with China. Sorry, we only deal with Taiwan as the representative of China. But meanwhile, the Department of Trade said, look, it's a huge market in China. The great dream of uh, the Australian Wool industry was to have every person in China where at least one Chinese, uh, one Australian wool and sock. It'd even have sheep grazing on the Melbourne cricket ground to fulfill that order. So you see this this confusion. You've got high diplomacy between our diplomats and our politicians complaining about the Chinese and how we recognize Taiwan uh, rather than mainland China. And yet at the same time, we had trade people in China, mainland China, trying to sell them wool. (laughs) What we're now seeing is that all of these things blend together. You no longer get that distinction between politics and economics, and the two are interconnecting. And it's a whole new era, really, for diplomacy. And
0: one in which you're going to learn a lot from, I would imagine, Keith. Indeed. Indeed. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Suter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.